Well, good morning. How are you this beautiful Sunday morning? Good, I hope. Good. Hey, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, uh, my name is Will. I have the honor of serving on the team here at Grace, and I'm so glad, whether you're in person, online, that you're joining us for our sermon series that we are kicking off today called At the Movies. If you have been a part of Grace for a little bit or have been attending for the last year or more, you might remember this series from last year or the year before that or the year before that even, as we've done this series for, I think, four or five years now. Um, If this is your first time, you're in for a treat as we are going to take a, a unique approach and look at some some different things this morning. So let me just start by explaining the what we're doing and why we're doing it this morning. What we're going to do through this series is take a really deep look into Scripture. And the vehicle that we're going to use to do that is the movies. And I think this is the kind of thing that Jesus did throughout his ministry when he was here in this world. He spoke in a lot of parables. Parables use earthly things or concepts to describe something that we can't know, like God or the kingdom of God. And, and, it, and it helps bring it down in a relatable way, in a, in, a, in a way that we can understand, in a way that we can know God better and deeper. And this thing that is just so vast we can't comprehend. And Jesus used things that were secular in the world. He used seeds and trees. And if he was here today, he might use this keyboard or a microphone or or things like that to talk about these things like God and the kingdom of God that we have a really hard time grasping. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at movies and see God's fingerprint and see what we can learn about God from the movies. And I think this is an important tool for us to develop as disciples of Christ because I believe this to be true, that what we see is what we end up finding. What we look for is what we end up finding. And if we go into this world expecting to find bad news and a whole lot of evil and sorrow and pain, that's what we're going to find. If we go into this world looking for good stories and encouragement... We can find that, but the question we have to ask ourselves is, what are we looking for? What are we trying to find? And I believe that God created this world and everything in it. And if we look for him, which we should be doing as disciples of Christ, what we will find is evidence of him in this world. We will see his fingerprints. We will see his his design. We will see his story woven through our stories that we tell and that we're a part of in this world. And I think that if Jesus used parables to teach about the kingdom of God and God to other people during his ministry here, then maybe we can use the things of this world to teach and talk about God. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to practice And we're going to look at some popular movies that you've maybe seen before. We try to pick a variety of movies. And probably you've seen at least one of these movies that we're going to talk about during this series. And we're going to hopefully start training our mind to see God in this world so that we can talk about God when we see him in this world to our coworkers and our friends and neighbors and people who don't know him. Now, just to be clear up front, the whole purpose of this series is to use secular movies. We did not choose Christian movies. We are going to watch one movie breakthrough at the end of this series, and it's more of a Christian-based uh, movie based on a true story. 
Um, but the whole point of this series is to choose secular movies. So this, this is not us as a church, or even me individually, recommending all of these movies, encouraging you go to see all of these movies, or endorsing everything that is in these movies. Make that clear. <laughs> there are secular things in these movies. The clips that we show are going to be clean, they're family-friendly, they're appropriate for everyone. But not necessarily everything in these movies. There's a lot in our world that the world has corrupted the good that God has created. But if we look for it, what I deeply believe we will find is the fingerprint of God everywhere we look, even in the movies. Today, we're going to be starting this series by looking at the movie Captain America Winter Soldier. How many of you have seen Winter Soldier, the movie? Okay, a good number of people have seen this. Awesome. So just a little bit of backstory. This involves Captain America, and, and, and the story really started years before this movie did as he was kind of created in a lab and, and, and built to, to fight Hydra, which in case you didn't remember from the history books was the real enemy of World War II, right? That, just to, to clarify, you might not have heard about that, but that's, that's what was really happening. And so he has a really good friend growing up named Bucky. And everyone who goes into the military knows that there's a risk, and Bucky understood this risk, and they go on a mission, and Bucky pays the price, and Captain America loses his best friend. And what happens in this movie is a truth that we all know about every superhero movie, every classic Marvel movie, or, or any kind of science fiction movie, right? If, if someone dies, they're never actually dead, potentially. There's always the chance they come back and and Bucky came back, but not as Bucky. Some, something was, was different. This clip might help explain it a little bit more. Mission report. Mission report now. So this happens when they end up fighting each other, but there's something deep within Bucky's mind that he, he, he remembers him. Can't remember where, can't, can't place how he knows Captain America, but, but, but something after they have brainwashed him and, and created him in, into something that he was never meant to be, something, something still remembered him. 
as I thought about this story, as I watched Winter Soldier a couple more times, you know, this is the best sermon work prep ever. I get to sit down and watch movies for, for a couple days. Um, as I watched it and tried to see what biblical story we could find here, the story of an Old Testament character by the name of Samson came to mind. Both Samson and the Winter Soldier actually have a lot in common that may not be apparent just at watching this movie. But both, from the very beginning, started with a purpose of helping. Both started with a purpose of serving others. Bucky went back into war to to help Captain America and help free people and and, and help fight by himself, to by by Captain America's side, to help win the war. And they both started with this purpose. And, And this is what we see happening with Samson also. This is the period of time when Israel is under the oppression of the Philistines. They had been under their, under their oppression for 40 years or so. And, and God sends an angel to a man by the name of Manoah. And he tells Manoah and his wife that they're going to be pregnant and they're going to have a son. And, and that this son is going to start freeing Israel from the oppression of the Philistines. Judges chapter 13, verse 5, the angel said, For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. He shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Now, a Nazarite was was a specific vow. We read about this in Numbers chapter 6, and it contained three different aspects. First, the Nazarite vow involved not having any strong drink, no fermented drink, no, no wine. Also included no um, being in the area of any dead body, dead animal, dead person. If you had a loved one who passed away during this time of taking the Nazarite vow, you weren't allowed to go to the funeral. And then finally, you couldn't cut your hair. And typically, this was a vow that would have lasted a few months, maybe a couple years, that, that usually it was a defined period of time, usually a longer period of time. But for Samson, he was supposed to be set aside from birth, from even in the mother's womb, that, that this Nazarite vow was something that was supposed to be with him his entire life, and, and God's spirit was going to be upon him. God was going to use him in powerful and amazing ways to free Israel from the oppression of the Philistines. And, and both of them started with this really noble task of, of helping others. But both ended up going down a pretty dark path. Bucky was taken captive and experimented on and brainwashed and all kinds of things were done to him that he he wasn't in his right mind. And, And Samson, Samson one by one started breaking not just the Nazarite vows, but the laws that God had given to the nation of Israel. We read about this starting in, in Judges chapter 14 as he goes down to Timnah. So Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. He came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Now this might sound a bit unusual today in our context, but the idea here is not too terribly uncommon in this culture. There was often in this arranged marriage culture, uh, a guy would go out and see a girl and come back and say, hey, mom and dad, I'd like you to talk to her parents about, you know, setting us up and and see if we can make this work. And maybe the language he uses here is a bit strong, but it's not terribly uncommon. The unfortunate part is she was a daughter of a Philistine. She was a daughter of of the Philistines and, and they were not part of the nation of Israel and God 
God's law said, do not marry outside the nation of Israel. Now, this is not a, a ethnic superiority piece of it, but the nations around Israel were not worshiping God. And God knew that if Israelites were to marry outside the nation of Israel, that they would soon fall away from God and start, wor- start worshiping other gods. And so if a foreigner came in and became an Israelite, started worshiping Yahweh, the one true God, like that, that was great. That's fine. You can marry that person. But, but God was so, so concerned about protecting his people from being drifted away that he's in a don't marry outside the nation of Israel because I want you to be mine. You are my chosen nation. So don't go marry outside of Israel. And Samson, Samson did. Over time, the other the, the Nazarite vows that he was supposed to be observing started to break down. He goes to a wedding feast for what should be his wedding, and a lion jumps out, and he, with the power of the Spirit of God, kills a lion with his bare hands. I wish I had that kind of strength. But there goes one of the Nazarite vows, not being around a dead animal or a dead person. And later he comes back by and, and he sees that there's honey actually inside of the lion's carcass. And he, he scoops that out. And so he, he went back a second time. During the wedding feast, he made a bet with some of the other groomsmen and other people there. And, and he lost the bet and he went and killed 30 Philistines and then took the clothes off of their bodies. And again, broke that part of the vow. Most scholars, even though it's not specifically mentioned in scriptures, think and believe that he probably had wine. It was very common to have wine at these wedding feasts and celebrations, especially as a Philistine uh, girl that he's marrying. They were known for making wine. And so though it's not explicitly stated in scripture, most, most believe that he did. So, so two of them, one for sure has been broken and the other one most likely has been broken at this point. And so now he's only has one left. He meets this girl by the name of Delilah and they fall in love. And the Philistines come to her. They threaten her and her household if, they, if she doesn't figure out the secret to his strength. So she berates him over and over and over. He tells her all kinds of things. And then she tries them over and over and over again. And you would think that he would finally catch on that maybe this girl doesn't have my best interest in mind. Maybe there's something going on here. But he doesn't. And in Judges chapter 16 verse 17 says, and he told her all his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me and I'll become weak like any other man. And so like the six times before this, she tries this too. And while he's sleeping, she cuts her his hair off. And in verse 20, she says, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he woke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before, as, as at other times, and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. I think this is one of the worst verses in all of Scripture. Maybe not worse, most depressing Scriptures in the entire Word of God. He did not know that the Lord had left him. Samson ended up going down a dark path. 
And we might want to argue that, well, Bucky's was done to him. He didn't have a say. He, he was taken. He was experimented on. It was done to him. And, and Samson, well, he did that himself. He was led astray himself. He, he, he did that, and it was his own choosing, and he, he could have done better, and, and maybe there's some truth there. But here's a reality about our world that we live in. When the anointing of God is on your life, Satan will attack. And Satan will attack you hard. He doesn't want you to find Christ in the first place. He doesn't want you to come to a knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is, period. And he will try to stop you from that. But when you find him, when we find him and the spirit of God comes within us, oh, he really doesn't like that. And Satan is crafty. He prowls around like a roaring lion and he does anything and everything he can to cause division, to tear us away from God, to make mountains out of molehills, to confuse the important for the unimportant and the unimportant for the important. And he attacks. And often it's really subtle. Often we may not even realize it's happening. But he doesn't want us leaning into the power and the gifting of the Spirit within us. And so he attacks. I read an interesting article this week saying there's about six to 10,000 ads we see a day. Can you imagine that? Six to 10,000. I wanted to verify this article because what I share up here, I want to do my best to make sure it's it's not just one article, one study. It's it's there. I found another article that says no, 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 six to ten thousand is is way too high. It's actually only about a hundred, a hundred ads a day. Now there's a big difference between a hundred and six to ten thousand. And as I kept looking, I found another article that was fascinating. They said no, they're both actually true. We see about six to ten thousand ads a day, but we are only able to process about a hundred. If you drive down the car, down the, down the road in the car, you see a billboard off to the side, right? Your, your brain registers that as an ad, right? It's, it's in your face. You sit down at the computer to watch something on YouTube or another streaming service where there's commercials and there's ads, right? Those register as ads. If you're listening in the car as you drive to the radio, an ad pops up. If you're paying attention, you hear the ad, But how many times are you in a car with someone else and you're listening to the radio and you're caught up in conversation and you don't even hear the ad? It's still there. And often there's still a part of you that hears that. But it just doesn't register. Anyone watch baseball this week? A few people maybe? Did you notice the Nike symbol on all the uniforms? Football season's coming up. If you've watched football in the past, you, you recognize the Under Armour logo on all the uniforms or on the cleats, the Gatorade or Powerade on the sidelines. They pay big money to get their name in front of you, and we don't even recognize it. So many shirts have a little logo. I don't even know what the shark means, but I'm wearing it. And it's right in front of you. We don't even recognize the ways that this world is trying to get at us, get us to buy things. You know, when you walk into the supermarket, 
brands are paying for shelf space. You, you know that, right? They, they're paying, they're, they want to make sure they're eye level, that they're the first thing that you see on the end cap or in the aisle that, that you don't have to, you don't have to look hard for. Like it, it's just right there. But if you want to save a few pennies, then you have to look for the store brand. Our world is attacking us. And while the science fiction part of, of Winter Soldiers may be a little out there as far as the brainwashing and, and convincing people to do other things for us, there, there is a very real way that our world does this today. And there's even a more real way that our enemy, Satan, is attacking us and convincing us to do things even when we don't want to. What does Paul say? The things I want to do, I, I don't do. The things I don't want to do are the things that I do. Right? There is this human desire and nature inside of all of us to do the things that we don't want to do or not do the things that we want to do. And it maybe is on us. Maybe we're more like Samson than we want to admit that we fall for our own desires and our own selfishness and the things in this world that we want. The reality is that we have a very real enemy who's attacking us. And I think the ending of these stories have another thing in common that we would be wise to listen to their advice. For both the Winter Soldier and for Samson, they found themselves in a place of solitude and escape and rest. Samson was forced into it. Samson was arrested. Samson had his eyes gouged out and was in prison. And at one point, they bring him out into the Colosseum to mock him and laugh at him to be entertained. And, and he had time to rest, to remember what he was supposed to do, the calling that God put on his life, the strength of the Spirit within him. And in verse 28, chapter 16, it says, then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me. This, only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. So maybe his motives still weren't completely pure. But he had time to rest and remember the strength that he had was not based on the length of his hair, but the spirit of God within him. But it was a gifting God had given him. And, and in a similar way, the winter soldier found some rest. Check out this scene. He was able to find some rest in a place called Wakanda. 
his mind cleared up and he wasn't under the control of anyone anymore and it was a long road of recovery but in a quiet space in a space where he could retreat in a space that he could be alone in a space that he could get away he was able to find rest and healing and I think that probably at some point in all of our lives we find ourselves there either as Samson did very much against our will or we find ourselves very there very willingly as a winter soldier did and I think we need to actually take a page of the winter soldier's book in this case and we need to find time to get away we need to find time to rest we need to find time to remember whose we are that we are not defined by things in this world by our careers by our family that that it's Jesus who created us and gives us worth and meaning because we're his. And sometimes we just need to rest in that truth. If I could draw one more application out from the comparison here, I think there's a really big difference between the Winter Soldier and Samson. We don't read about Samson having anyone. We don't read about him having any friends, any community, anyone around him and I think that's why the winter soldier was able to rest and reconnect and get his mind back and and escape that dark path that he was on he surrounded himself with with community he had people around him who loved him who cared for him captain america shuri people in wakanda other other people were around him and surrounded him he he had friends we can't get through this life alone. There's far too much in this world, far too many attacks from Satan that he's going to throw our way. We, we can't do it alone. We need to be in community. We need a Bible study, a life group, Sunday school class. We need people in our lives who share this faith, who can encourage us, who can push us closer to God, who can support us when we need help, and who we can do the same for when they need it. I don't know when I'm going to need support and help. I don't know when someone in my circle is going to need support and help. But together, together we do that for each other. And this is the picture that we get painted for us in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 says, And all who believed were, uh, were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing all the proceeds to all and any as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts now, we often read this passage and we talk about how they sold what they had and gave to those who didn't but did you catch the other parts there they went to the temple together they broke bread they had meals together there is this, this community aspect that we see in the book of Acts that Samson didn't have that the winter soldier did that, that was a saving grace. There's a season that's coming. Some of you have been through some pretty dark seasons and you've needed some people around you. And you might have another one up ahead. Or maybe there's someone in this space who are in a circle who's about to go through one and they, they need you. They need your experience. They need your support and strength and encouragement. We have to do this together. You need to be in a group. 
where you are known and where you know others. Where you can be encouraged and we can know God in a deeper way. Father God, I am so grateful for the communities that exist here within grace. For the communities that support each other, for the communities that are there for each other when time times are hard, when life is hard, because it's always gonna It's always gonna be hard. It's always gonna have its difficulties and and I cannot imagine going through this life without people around us, without people around me. And God, we see that's how you created this to be, and we are so grateful. And God, I pray that we will lean into that. As uncomfortable as it can be, as vulnerable as it can be, I pray that we will lean into that. Because it's how you created this thing called faith to work. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.